As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first post-game edition of the 2022 season of the State of the Nation podcast. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders lose their opener to the Chargers 24-19, a game that, uh, you gotta say, the the offensive line, we've been warning, I think everybody's known all offseason that the offensive line had had reason to be a, a major issue, and it ended up being one in the opener. Six sacks taken by Derek Carr, um... Under pressure a lot. He throws three interceptions. He fumbles twice. They recovered both of those. But you hate when the the offseason storyline is one thing that's the biggest concern all offseason. And then you go into week one and that's exactly what rears its ugly head. Yeah, I wrote a story about the offensive line earlier this week. I remember one comment stood out. He was like, hey, man, are they going to pay you to talk about something else? And I was like, hey, I mean. Wait till this weekend. We'll see what we're talking about so much. And then we saw it today. Obviously, that wasn't the only reason why they lost, as you mentioned, car through three picks. Um, they also had some missed opportunities. You know, the first drive of the game, they got down in the red zone and it looked like Derek Carr had Darren Waller, you know, open for a touchdown, threw it behind him, is, you know, ended up having to settle for three. And every point matters, obviously. I mean, they had a chance, you know, on, on the final possession or their final offensive possession of the game to go win it. And even with the bad offensive line play and turnovers, if they had, you know, finished a couple of drives better, maybe they're in a different situation. And so, um, it's just really on offense with this one. The defense, they had a rough, rough first half, but they, they really settled in there in the second half and then forced four straight stops at a certain point. And so Justin Herbert's going to get his, right? But I think they play well enough to win. So uh, focus on the offense. And, you know, so some of those things are correctable. Like Derek Carr typically isn't inaccurate to that degree and typically isn't a guy that turns the ball over that often. But the offensive line kind of stands out as the one thing is – I mean, how is that suddenly going to magically get better? Like, obviously, they aren't going to be playing, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa or anything like that, you know, every week. And Chargers probably have one of the better defensive lines in the league. But 
uh, this, this offensive line looks like it's going to be everything we, we thought it was going to be. The one positive I, I say is that, you know, this is probably, if it's not the best pass rush duo in the league, it's one of the best top three pass rush duos in the league. And like you said, they, they had a chance in this game. They moved the ball relatively easily. They, they got into the red zone, but they couldn't finish. And, you know, Carr underthrew a few passes that he normally is not this inaccurate, but uh, his inaccuracy really cost the Raiders in this game. It started with the uh, underthrow to Waller in the red zone. It should have been touchdown. He couldn't bring it in. And, that, and then his first interception, you know, I keep rewatching it. That, that could have been a touchdown. If he just put the ball over uh, Drew Tranquil, uh, the two safeties did not get enough depth. Waller would have been running free for a touchdown. And then he underthrew Adams, you know, on a, on a deep pass. That, that was a pretty difficult pass. But I think if you're going to make that pass, put it in a place where only he can get it or no one can get it. And then the final interception uh, to Renfro, obviously another underthrow. So, you know, he's, he's getting used to a new system. Didn't play in the preseason. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But he was inaccurate, and that, that ultimately is what cost the Raiders this game. Yeah, I think the O-line doesn't deserve um, the blame for this one. I think definitely it's on. And Derek will say it's on me. It's my fault. And this time it was. Definitely I think he made, like you said, four or five bad passes. The Waller one was an easy touchdown, and I thought you mentioned all the overthrow, the underthrows. But, uh, you know, the O-line has tried four different combinations. And for the most part, I thought they weren't terrible. I just, I mean, you can't put them in a situation where the game is online and they have to defend against, you know, they have to block uh, Mac and Bosa. That's not going to turn out well for you at the end of the game. But um, uh, it's still an area of concern. But uh, to me, I thought they were, and I think it's all about expectations. I went in with a different probably level than most Raider fans. I didn't think this was a game that they they should win. I thought the Chargers were a better team. I thought the Chargers have, you know, their staff intact from last year. They got this, you know, they've improved offensively on, on their whole line. They got Khalil Mack, so they're better defensively. So I thought the, clearly their roster was better. Plus they have the continuity, which the Raiders don't have. So I thought it was encouraging that they actually had a chance to win the game. I thought the defense definitely played a lot better second half. So I'm not going to uh, yell at the O line too much today. I, I'm sure I will next week and in the future. But today I'm going to focus on uh, on some of the positives. Coming into the game, it almost seems like, obviously they've seen the O-line in the preseason, so it's not the first time they figure out that they, they struggle in certain areas. But it didn't even seem like they were trying to run the ball early on. They, they pretty much came out with that game plan that we saw at the beginning of the last season when they were just throwing the ball 100 times a game. Uh, I think they only ran the ball seven times in the first half. And the second time, the second half, you know, part of it was because they were trailing, but they only ran it six six times, even though they, they were getting some pretty good runs off there. And so... It seems like they just have a lack of confidence in the unit. And I mean, anytime you, you know, I, I can't remember seeing, you know, four different O-line combinations in the game that it wasn't due to like somebody getting hurt. Like there was just rotations. And so it seems like that right side of the O-line, they really just lack confidence in that side. And if it's going to force them to be that one dimensional where they basically aren't aren't throwing or aren't running the ball, I think we're going to see, you know, situations. That's probably why Carr felt like he had to force it in certain situations because he, he knows they really they can't run the ball. So I, if we're going to gain these yards and, and score touchdowns, going to have to be behind his arm. And so uh, they have to do something, I think, to figure out some kind of offensive balance. Like, you know, Devontae Adams looked great today. They had their moments with the passing offense. But, it, I mean, we saw it. They could kind of last season, they kind of stalled out when they fell into that that trap of just kind of just pray and spray, you know, with, with Derek Carr dropping back 100 times a game with the offensive line being that bad at pass block. And it just seems like a bad – a bad recipe. So I think some some sort of alteration needs to change. I'm not trying to overreact too much. Is that a Deshaun special? Pray and spray? Pray and spray. That's a new one for wow. me. I've heard that before. I like that. Put that on a t-shirt. 
Trademark that bad boy. Pray and spray. I mean, you talk about the the the, the running, it, you know, and that's I think with the Chargers, that was a big weakness of their last year. I mean, they were one of the worst rush defenses in the league, and I know they felt like they really addressed that in the off season, but. You know, when, when that's a question mark of a team coming into the season, I kind of agree with you. I mean, go challenge it, right? Go go see if the Chargers are a better run defense. Um, and they, they didn't really put much of a challenge out there for them. I keep waiting for Dave Zillier to address the line. I've been waiting for five months. So maybe now, after the first week of the season, when deals are no longer guaranteed, you can sign veterans and the deals are not guaranteed now after the first week, maybe now he brings in a guard and a tackle. Maybe now he brings in some veteran guys Clearly, there are guys on the market who may not be your ideal guys, may not even love them, but clearly they can help you and be better than the guys you're using now. So if, you, if Lester Cotton's a guy who you use their off preseason, off training camp, then day one, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure about you, man. I'm going to have to do a platoon thing. So clearly they're not happy with what they have. I know they say they are, but clearly they're not. So this week they're going to sign two linemen and give them a little bit of money and uh, – if not, then I don't know what's going on. But uh, it has to be at some point. they got to do something. The interior didn't look too bad from watching from a TV copy. You know, it's a little easier when you, you get the All-22. You can see the end zone view. But it didn't look bad from what I saw. But, man, there were some instances when, you know, Lumino or, or even Mumford just got ran through. Like, they didn't even exist against Khalil Mack or, or Joey Bosa. So, I mean... I don't know if Isaiah Wynn is still, you know, possibly out, you know, out there for a trade, but, you know, maybe if you, you trade a third round draft pick, which is kind of hefty, you might be able to get him, but it, it looks like a real, real problem spot. I mean, they could always help, but there, you know, there are times when nobody gets open because you're helping so much that it's easy to get doubles on everybody, you know, so it's, it's a problem. I mean, even Colton Miller, I mean, there were times, I mean, I know it's Khalil Mack. I mean, Khalil Mack, we, we all know how good he is, but there were times where Khalil Mack was just was putting Miller on skates too. And that's, that's your best offensive lineman. And um, like we said earlier, I think Deshaun said it, you know, they're not going to face this pass rushing duo every week. So um, the panic meter is maybe a little bit higher uh, just because this is the week one matchup, but they've got to find some answers because uh, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, and whether they add somebody or not, I guess one thing we should mention is uh, center Andre James. He uh, he got banged up. It looked like on the on the final play on offense that they had, and uh, they had to uh, evaluate for a concussion. So he got he left um, the stadium in an ambulance, and you could see him in the locker room. He was like wearing shades and seemed like it, he was very sensitive to light. And so, you know, that, that's something that he theoretically could get back for next week. But maybe that's something to watch. Um, you know, if he's unable to go, maybe Dylan Parham has to slide over and play center. So. That's not a good thing. I mean, obviously, Parham didn't show he was ready in, in preseason to play center, so that would definitely not be a good thing. So, um, yeah, you got to sign some people. It's time to, to give up some money and uh, bring some help in. I say they have you know a significant amount of cap space. I think like sixteen million dollars or something. Last time I checked it, and so there's plenty of room. I mean, there's I don't I don't know who's great that's out there. Like I've written before that they don't really love who's available, but I have to try something. You gotta love them. Just gotta like them now. I was like sort of like yeah. It's not about love anymore. It's about you can deal with their issues and give them a big hug. Like Vic said, um, with vested veterans, uh, now that we're past week one, the contracts aren't guaranteed. Because that is the tricky thing is if you sign a guy that you don't love but you just like before week one, you're paying him all year no matter what. Now you bring in a guy, yeah, give him a shot, give him a couple weeks, don't like him, bring in another guy, yeah, you kind of mediocre-like, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. Clearly, they're using this rotation. They have four different, you know, sets today. So, clearly, they don't mind throwing guys in and mixing it up. So. 
Seven guys earn the right to play, Vic. It's not a rotation because they're trying. Seven guys earn the right to play. Did right you not to listen to Josh uh, McDaniels after the game? Seven guys earned that right. That's right. You're right. Uh, again, I'm focusing on the positive, man. This defense stuff up, did a nice job second half. The Chargers are really, really good. I think, I mean, people don't want to hear that, but that roster is really, really good. I think they're clearly right at this point. Clearly a better team than the Raiders are. I think that's, people are getting mad. I don't care. But and that show to that. Today should have not have been down to the wire. Today they should have won that game easily. I'm not sure. They kind of, I don't know what happened in the second half. They didn't have the same efficiency. The Raiders played better. But that game shouldn't have been close, I don't think. And it was. And they had a chance to try and win it. But uh, to me, clearly a better team at this point of the season. That's fine. It's week one. There's plenty of time to go. But I would have been surprised if the Raiders won that game today. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers did lose uh, Keenan Allen to that uh, hamstring injury and offensively um, if they have Keenan Allen all game, maybe that makes a difference, but the Raiders did a good job of holding Austin Eckler in, in check. And I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, running the ball, catching the ball out of the backfield can cause issues. And they did a good job with him. And they lost two guys. They lost Merrick and they lost uh, Averitt uh, early on. So two guys, there's two of their starting DBs didn't play most of the game. So I, I give them kudos. I and mean, I'm not going to, there's plenty of time to be negative. I'm not going to like do it today. Today I'm, I'm Mr. I'm Joe positive today. I thought some of the interior guys played pretty good, too. Like, Bilal Nichols was good against the run. Andrew Billings was good against the run. He pushed a pocket on, on a couple of occasions, too. So the defense overcame a lot. I mean, you know, to overcome three turnovers um, and then uh, to lose two key members of the, the secondary when you're pretty thin in the secondary, that's, that's a good sign. I mean, if you're looking for one thing to point out, you know, there's been a lot of talk about who has the best pass rush in the AFC West, um, you know, b- between the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, Raiders didn't have any sacks, um, didn't really. Uh, I, mean, I think they hit Herbert three times. Uh, Crosby was was getting close a few times there, but uh, they, they didn't get any sacks. And I mean, granted, um, the Chargers have, you know, we talk all about the Raiders offensive line. The Chargers have, I think, a really good offensive line. They have their concerns at right tackle. But um, I mean, Rayshon Slater in his second year, he was an all pro as a rookie. You know, and the rest of that line, I mean, uh, Corey Lindsley at center, they really like their rookie right guard, Zion Johnson. That was a big difference. It showed that like the Raiders have that pass rush juice, but the Chargers had an offensive line that could handle it. Yeah, they addressed their own line and the Raiders haven't. So to me, that was the difference. But um, we'll see. And uh, some people have been freaking out about Chandler Jones, but Rayshon Slater is pretty good. You know, I mean, he was all pro last season for a reason. Uh, I mean, Chandler Jones obviously is also pretty good, so you like to see him win a little bit more often. But I think another factor in that was uh, Justin Herbert. He was escaping the pocket a lot, which is something that they talked about earlier this week. Even when there wasn't pressure, sometimes he would just start running out uh, for for whatever reason. But he typically runs to the right as well, and so it's obviously going opposite from Chandler Jones. And so I think that that played a factor. Um, and, and things too so he's pretty good Herbert's pretty good and he's a big ass dude like he is I mean I know uh, you, Vic you have the quote from Chandler Jones it's like that guy is, he's hard to bring down like I, I he's like I have my arms wrapped around his legs and I still couldn't bring him down like for all the just freak skill he has of being able to throw the ball I mean he's a big ass dude all of 6'5 um, strong um, he, he's he can move around I mean he's he, he's a problem yeah, he escapes the pocket, and like I think Hobbs said, he throws the ball seventy yards. That's that's not that's not ideal for a defense trying to challenge him. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very tough division. Great quarterbacks, so it's going to be a, a tough uh, job for this defense. But they show some signs today that they might be up for it. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Hobbs was a very positive sign, right? Um, I mean, that one that one third down pass breakup. Uh, I mean, I, I think he played really really well all throughout the game. Yeah, and even before the injury to Averett. And we saw Hobbs. It seemed it seemed like anyway that when they were in nickel, he would play nickel, and then when they went to base, 
he would move to outside and then they would they would uh take Everett off and have you send at the other corner spot and so they were already kind of moving them around but then they, obviously that comes in handy if you do have injury to a guy like Averett where you can just put Hobbs outside he's fine just being out there um in that situation and so yeah he's one of the you know obviously at the penalty you know whatever with, with Herbert that was kind of a dicey call um it could have went either way really so I wouldn't knock him too bad for that one but you know he had a really strong game and I think also the, as you mentioned with Eckler like the run defense like it was it was much improved at least in this game because that was something last year Eckler carved them up not just cat, catching a ball but run, ran against them pretty well and the run defense overall was, was a little shaky to start last season so Bilal Nichols seemed like he played pretty well Andrew Billings he got shook, shaken up I don't think we ever found out what that was but he seemed solid and Jonathan Hankins wrote rotating in there and so while the pass rush you know wasn't there the run defense was and so Again, you know, as we said, really, it, same thing goes for both sides. The offensive line, they're not going to face this Chargers D-line every game, and, and the Chargers offensive line is pretty good. Like, the Raiders D-line isn't going to have to deal with that every game. And so I wouldn't over- overreact too much to what we saw in the trenches, more so on the defensive side of the ball, um, and especially moving forward next week going up against the Cardinals. Who have a trash offensive line, yeah, right? Yeah, trash. <laughs> okay, at this point, it's just, you know, the Chargers – you know, they improve the talent on the team. They're second year in this system, second year with the staff. They're just a, a better team. And, and to me, they're a Super Bowl contender right now. And, you know, maybe the Raiders could get to that level later on. But they're it's first year in the system, first year, a lot of guys playing together. Uh, it, it's going to be a bit of a process. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One thing I, I kind of talking point I was seeing a lot throughout this game, and um, you know, I don't think we made much of the fact that the Raiders did not play their top line starters during the preseason. That's pretty standard fare. You know, Carr has not played much during the preseason or, or at all the last couple of years. You do wonder in the first year in a new system if maybe it would have been beneficial. I, I mean, I don't think it's the difference between um, them winning or losing this game. I don't think it means he doesn't throw those three interceptions that he's suddenly um, not underthrowing those passes. But, you know, I, I mean, it's fair to wonder if it, it might have been beneficial for him to play just a little bit just to kind of get through the rhythm of uh, of the McDaniels offense. And, you know, and for a guy like, you know, Colton Miller didn't play, you know, for him to just to see that live game speed before going up against a guy like, you know, Bosa and, and Khalil Mack in week one. Yeah. And that, that's a trade-off you know you are obviously trying to keep your star guys healthy you don't want anything to happen to them but they might have a little rust in in the first game so you know i I don't know if that's it but i I think it could definitely be could have been a factor and it it seemed like Carr was trying to be so so perfect with his pass like he wasn't just letting it ripped and i think that's what causes some some underthrows sometimes we're just trying to be so precise instead of just letting it rip it didn't seem like they were having like a ton of communication issues and things. I mean, just watching it live. So I don't know. I think if they made 
go and score on that final drive, people probably aren't, aren't making that point, right? Or even the Ravens, you know, they didn't play starters last year and they beat the Ravens in week one. So I think it's, you know, hindsight's 2020 with that kind of thing. Um, it, it more so just seemed like, like Ted said, you know, maybe, maybe it was maybe due to the pocket and him not uh, maybe rushing this process a little bit, or maybe not feeling like he could step into some of those throw, those underthrows. Um, so I think it was more so just situational than, than maybe, you know, being rusty or anything like that. The least surprising stat of the game, Derek Carr throws 37 passes, 17 of them go to Devontae Adams. Um, you know, late in the game, uh, Waller and Renfro both finally ticked up to six targets each. But for a while, I mean, it was uh, we joked that it, it was probably going to look a lot like last year's opener where uh, he was targeting Darren Waller and Darren Waller and Darren Waller. And that that is kind of what it was. And obviously, I mean, for good reason. I mean, Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards. He got that touchdown. Um, he was incredible. Um and, and, you know, and Waller ended up four catches, 79 yards, his first game after the extension, which we haven't talked about that yet. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fun at times to see that connection. But um, I, I do wonder if if Derek will have to kind of balance that out, like over relying on Devontae. I asked him about that because Renfro didn't have any targets, I think, for the first, I want to say, almost two and a half quarters, I want to say. And I asked him, he said that's going to happen based on the game planning. There might be games where he goes, you know, Renfro, 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 and it's based on, and, and Dante hasn't getting any passes for a while. So he wasn't worried about it. He thinks you have those guys, three guys of that caliber. You're going to be searching for one of those guys, kind of gets forgotten about it, not in the game plan. But he said it wasn't like, I think he thought he overcommitted to Devontae or forgot about Hunter Renfro. Just one of those things that's going to happen when you have, when you have three guys of that. And I think that's, that makes sense. I, I could see that. I didn't feel like he was forcing it to Adams because Adams was just, he was getting open. I mean, he, you know, there there were some routes he just left guys on the floor. So I I, don't, I felt like he wasn't forcing it. Like in week one against Baltimore, some of those targets were definitely forced. But to me, Adams deserved some of those targets just because he, he got open. I think you see the chemistry. Like that one play, the, the, the fastball to the pylon, the diving catch for the touchdown, just a great – I mean, they're definitely on the same page. Just um, there's a reason why they're so happy to be together. And I think his numbers are going to be ridiculous this year, which um, – well, it'll be fun to watch. All right, well, let's talk Waller. Uh, the Raiders on Saturday morning, wondering what, when this, if this would happen, when it would happen. They agree to a three-year, fifty-one million dollar extension with Waller. Um, you know, they've got him now locked up for five years. He's he's getting that top of the tight end market money. Um, sure, he's pretty happy. They have the cap space. He's a guy that's important to their offense. Uh, so I think it was the right move to to lock him in. And and now you've kind of got those those main targets for Derek Carr locked in for these next few years. I was kind of wondering early this year, you know, was he going to be the kind of the odd man out, you know, after they started extending everybody. Um, but, you know, they, they were able to come to agreement on a deal that, you know, it makes them one of the highest paid tight ends, but it's not resetting the market or anything of that nature. And it seems to be structured pretty similarly to the other deals where they, ha- they kind of have this two to three year window they've created where after that period they can, move some guys around or cut guys if things aren't going well and things of that nature and stuff. Yeah, I think it's a good deal for both sides. And, you know, as it took a while, but, you know, in the second half, you know, as Waller, Waller showed, he's still, you know, a dynamic player when, when he when he's healthy out there. And I'm sure people wanted to see him get the ball a little bit more coming off that extension. But I think it, that was probably more so a product just the offense in general, not really being in a rhythm and kind of getting off the field quickly at times or getting behind the sticks. Devontae Adams getting open, you know, more often. But, you know, I, I think he, he's worth worthy of the deal. and showed that today and kind of also when we talk about Hunter, Hunter Renfro, I think that might have been more of a product of, you know, they, they had to use a lot of heavier personnel sets 
today, I think, to, to kind of try to support them in, in, in blocking. And Hunter Renfro is not known for his blocking, so it made sense that he wasn't on the field as much as usual. But that'd be something else interesting for for Darren Waller. Maybe that's because that's, that's I think that's probably the one knock against him is he's not a George Kittle or anything of that that nature when it comes to to blocking. So if he's if he's able to show more of a willingness to do that this year and, and kind of step up in that area, that can make this this deal look even better for the Raiders. Waller one on one against Bosa with the with the chip help from Derek Carr. Not yeah. uh, not the finest moment as no. as Devonte Adams is trying to throw a pass. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird call. Today they uh, they used Waller a lot as a, a Z receiver. Like when they got in their heavy formations, Moreau was in at tight end and he was the inline blocker, and and Waller was split out wide. So uh, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of that, especially when they help with the right tackle. They're going to keep Moreau in the block, and Waller is going to be you know outside, and he's not going to be the main point of attack blocker, but he could be a wing blocker that helps. Um, hopefully, not helping with Derek Carr. Yeah, I think that's how they're going to use him. We um, and I, I think that's a smart way of using him too. I was a little underwhelmed by the by the play calling. While we all talk about McDaniel's and the rings, and these are going to be like all the weapons, and I didn't think they got off to a great start today. But again, there's growing pains, like you mentioned. Maybe no preseason games are not quite in rhythm, and but. Um, I thought the reverse call was weird. I thought there were some other calls I wasn't crazy about. I didn't like not going for it at the end of the first half. You had 35 seconds, three timeouts. I mean, you're paying this offense a billion dollars, so I think you should be able to – think you can go 40 yards for a field. Plus, you're a great kicker. I think you can be able to go 40, 45 yards in 35 seconds and get a field goal. So I'm not, I'm sure that Carr threw a pick and it was a little – he wanted to just you know, turn, turn it up and, and not go for it. But I think in this case, with this offense – you can't um, deprive yourself of a chance to score. So I wasn't not a great day for Josh McDaniels play caller. And again, maybe it's just uh, you know a week one uh, growing pains a mulligan. Well, in terms of the uh, season long, uh, who will have more yards? Josh Jacobs versus Zamir White. Well, it's uh, it, it's it's fifty seven to nothing right now. Uh, Zamir White, uh, no carries. Um, I don't. I don't. Did he even? Enter the game at all? I don't. I don't know about that. He played teams. He didn't play in the offense. I think. I'm, again, also Abdullah. Abdullah's a guy we were talking about as a third down back. <laughs> I guess we didn't give Brandon Bolden his uh, his due respect. He clearly, um, you know, has Josh and knows him well from New England, and clearly he had a spot all sewn up. So I was surprised. I was surprised that uh, just using those two guys, and I was surprised that um, Josh got most of the carries. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I can imagine that may, maybe is a is just a, a impact of playing Bosa, playing Mac, playing this pass rush. That to put a rookie in there, you want to put the people in there that you that have more experience, that have, that you trust more in pass protection. Because I think in this game, we joke around like, oh, they've ignored this offensive line, but I mean they knew going in this game the offensive line was going to be an issue. So I think they probably a lot of the game plan here was. You know, we've got it, it has to be geared around what we can do for pass protection. So that that, that could be why we don't see much Zemir White or don't see any Zemir White. Well, that's Josh next couple of days. Maybe that's where Zemir's pass blocking is. Maybe Abdul's not, that's not his strength, but I think it's a good point. They probably did have Brandon play more often because he is a good pass blocker and they wanted to play safe there. But um, I thought Josh went hard. Josh has some nice runs. I mean, I guess it's tough because the O line's not very good and it's a tough defense. But that one run up the middle, he showed some of his little wiggle. He's a good running back. It's not it's never been the question if he's good or not. It's just a question of of durability and if he's in his team's you know future plans. But he's definitely got the talent to uh, make guys miss. And, and that's one of the positives too is when they they didn't run a lot, but when they did run, there were some there were some big holes. And that's last season when 
the offensive line wasn't good. They couldn't even run run the ball. You know, Jacobs was getting hit in the backfield a lot, but uh, I, I thought there were some big holes for him to run, so that might be something they could build on. Alrighty, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up our first post-game edition of State of the Nation. The Raiders will get back at it next week. They host the Arizona Cardinals, who uh, got blown out on Sunday by the, the Chiefs. And you know, I was watching Megan Thee Stallion videos, trying to like, get, I was really studying her, trying to get the moves down and the song, the lyrics down. Are you going to dance, I, too? I, I, I had the whole thing going. Yeah, I was going Don't need time. to see Vic no, doing no Megan Thee Stallion <laughs> dance No, sir. No, sir. Hey, it's all right. They play the Chargers again. They play the Chargers again, <laughs> so we'll have another chance. Absolutely not. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't watching the videos for uh, the dance lessons. Let me, let's, uh, let's make that clear. Uh, all right. All right, well, next week. Raiders are 0-1, but, uh, you know, there are some positive signs. Defense played pretty well, especially in the second half, That those four possessions where they held them without points. And then, uh, eh. Derek had a bad day. I don't think that's going to be. He didn't have too many bad days. He's not going to miss that many guys that were open, I think. So just kind of chalk it up and, and move on. All right, we'll talk to you guys again later this week as we get you ready for the Raiders taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Later, guys. Adios. Yada, 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 yada.